Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. Grab your Bible and go to Luke chapter 11. Uh, I wanna encourage you to, I know that there are a lot of ways that you can access the Word of God, especially when you're in this room. We make it super convenient for you because we put it on these screens and that kind of thing and you've got your phone. But can I just remind you, there's something powerful and real about having a physical Bible in your hand. It does not come with email notifications or Twitter pop-ups and all that good stuff. It does not come without, with, with the distractions that sometimes we can get consumed by when we're trying to read on this instead of this. And now I'm not saying that you can't, but if you can, you are much more disciplined than me. Just let the silence and the awkwardness soak in for just a second. So grab your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 11, and we're gonna, we're gonna get there in just a second. I can still feel the cold of the tile floor pressed against my face almost as if it was yesterday. Sprawled out on my belly with my face pressed in the floor of a bathroom inside a room at Women's Hospital, crying out for God to do a miracle. But this wasn't the first time that I had prayed for my wife and my yet-to-be-born children. And even in that moment, I thought about all the times that I had cried out to him to answer the prayer to be a dad. I remember after the first miscarriage, Standing in the kitchen of the house that Ashley and I lived in, we had just gotten home from the doctor with the news that this pregnancy that had us so excited was over. And standing there in sadness, holding my wife and just asking God to heal our hearts. I remember praying a different prayer after the second miscarriage. And this was less sadness and more just anger that this had happened to us again and praying with more questions than anything as to why we were going through this. And I remember even more vividly the next three years of not being able to get pregnant and asking God why everybody around us was having kids and we were not. I remember praying prayers of praise in late October of 2007 when we found out that we were pregnant and a few weeks later standing in the doctor's office and saying there's two and me saying there's two what? <laughs> I remember praying once again as the anxiety filled us as my wife came to me in the middle of a company Christmas party to say that something was wrong and she had an episode there in that dinner and I remember praying the whole way from that dinner to run over to Greensboro Women's Hospital to go to their emergency care unit and praying as they brought out the thing to check the baby's heartbeat and I remember the feelings of relief as they heard not one but two heartbeats and the babies seemed fine. I remember praying for Ashley as the Days went by for the complications that continued to evolve and just a f by February, she was unable to, to work because she was having so many complications. They put her on pretty strict bed rest. 
And I remember the guilt that I would experience every time I'd walk out of the house as I was working at a church over in Durham and I would drive from Greensboro to Durham, 65 miles, one way, six days a week as we were preparing to launch this church and I was trying to learn but knowing my wife was at home all alone and wondering if the call was ever gonna come, that something severely bad was about to happen and just the guilt that riddled me. I remember going to the doctor on a late or early April afternoon for a routine checkup on Aiden and Leah and just a couple hours later finding ourselves checking into Greensboro Women's Hospital because Ashley was in preterm labor to the point where they didn't feel comfortable sending her home. That was on a Friday and my face plastered against that cold bathroom tile happened on Monday. I had just returned from a tour of the neonatal intensive care unit at Greensboro Women's Hospital, and it scared me to death. At this point, Ashley was 20-something weeks, and if you don't know much about pregnancy, 40 weeks is full term. And, and I remember the neonatal doctor coming in and telling us all the different complications that were possible at it for a baby being born that early, talking about blindness and kidney issues and organ failure and all the things, and, and saying, we're gonna have a nurse come down and take you up to the neonatal intensive care unit to give you a tour. And I remember walking through that unit and seeing children that didn't even look human, Babies that could literally fit in the palm of your hand and were hooked up to so many machines and things covered their eyes and their skin almost as translucent as tissue paper. And it was coming down from that unit that I found myself lying flat on the floor praying. But that day had started in absolute chaos. Again, this was a Monday. We had checked into women's hospital on a Friday and Monday morning, what woke me up was the sound of my wife struggling to breathe. She was able to somehow stir me from trying to sleep on a fold-out couch, and I knew something was wrong, and we hit the button. And the next thing I know, I'm being rushed out of the room, and, and as many doctors and nurses as I had seen the entire time were rushing in and bringing with them a portable chest X-ray machine, and, and they're not telling me anything, and, and I'm ready to punch somebody in the name of Jesus. And it turns out that they had been giving her a specific medication in order to stop the contractions and, and keep Aiden and Leah in the womb. But the side effect to that medication was it had caused Ashley's lungs to greatly fill with fluid to where her lungs just could not even function anymore. And so they immediately take her off that medication and they put her on some Lasix to draw the fluid off of her lungs. And they came in, they said, without this medication, your children will be born within the next 24 hours. And that's how I ended up in the NICU. That's how I ended up with my face plastered to the floor praying for God to show up. And over the next 35 days, I would sleep on an egg crate on a fold-out mattress looking over at my wife constantly on her back with things plugged up to her, monitoring every moment, praying every day once again for my yet-to-be-born children. It was 35 days later that we would actually leave Greensboro Women's Hospital, and the egg crate that I had been sleeping on was like a sheet of paper because I'd slept on it so much over those 35 days and tossed and turned in anxiety and fear, and God was working though, man. We went, we went home and spent another month on bed rest, 
playing Wii Mario Kart and watching American Idol. Why do I remember that part? So finally it came to the point where Ashley said, tell somebody to get these babies out of me. And you heard the story a couple weeks ago, June 4th, 2008, they came into this world and now they're 14. And many of you have heard that story multiple times. You say, Matt, why are you telling us that again? It's because that's the one. That's the one that I go back to, to remind me to pray. And I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded to pray. Because church prayer works. Testify somebody in the room. Prayer works. I know that as I'm standing here, there's enough people in this room and between people on, on watching online that believe that, that it was modern medicine or it was this or it was that, but there's nothing you could ever do to convince me that the prayers that I was offering up, that my parents were offering up, that my wife, that my friends were offering up in that season didn't impact that season in some way or fashion. That I believe that prayer is powerful, but if I'm honest, far too often, I forget it and need to be reminded of it. And that's what I want to do for you today. I want you to walk out of this room reminded to pray. Because prayer is powerful and purposeful, whether you believe it or not. And I don't know if you believe that when you, as you sit in this room, because I've had seasons in my life when I've wondered as well. But look at me, if prayer is pointless and powerless, then much of what Jesus taught us is meaningless. Because Jesus had a lot to say about prayer with what he taught and with how he lived. If you open up your Bible and you read through those first four books of your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which we know as the Gospels, which outline for us the life and teachings of Jesus, what you will find in our Savior and our Lord is a life marked by prayer. And a life that was spent in communication with God, so much so that the first to follow him could not ignore it. What they saw in how Jesus prayed made them so curious about his prayer life that they asked him to teach them how to do it right. Go to Luke, excuse me, Luke chapter 11. I'm gonna start with verse one. You got the Bible, you ready to go? Let me hear you say amen. Luke 11 verse one. He, Jesus, was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, your, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not lead us into temptation. Y'all have heard this before. I'm not reading you anything new. You, know, you most likely know the version that Matthew gives us in Matthew chapter six, the Lord's Prayer, which you've recited much of your life if you grew up in the church. But one thing that Luke notes to us and gives us a detail that right after Jesus teaches them to pray, he tells them a very important story because he knew what we've experienced, that 
It's one thing to know how to pray. It's another thing to keep praying when you don't feel like God's moving. And so he tells them this story. Look at it. It starts in verse five. It says, he also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, church, follower of Jesus, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That Jesus says, ask, seek, pursue, cry out, talk to me. Like Jesus not only taught us to pray, church, he's invited us to constantly do it. So how's your prayer life? We started this year at our church with something we called Released in the Word, where in January we took three Sunday nights to feel like we could equip you and challenge you to get into the Word. You've been released in the Word, but have you been reminded to pray? Because one thing that you will find as you read this book, the Bible, is you will see that it is full of people pleading with God moment after moment, calling out and crying out to him in moments of joy and in moments of suffering. How's your prayer life? Have you forgotten to pray? And I'll just be honest with you, this is a subject that I've always struggled with. And I know you're like, but you're the pastor. Yeah, but prayer is something I've always had a difficult time really doing regularly. You know why? I'm a, I'm a driven kind of person. Anybody else like me? Like you, you wanna do stuff, you wanna accomplish something, you wanna produce things. If I'm gonna spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes, or an hour do something, I want to immediately see the fruit of my labor. And prayer don't work like that most often. Come on, somebody. And so I've always struggled to do it. As I was praying about how to describe my prayer life in three words throughout my 44 years on this earth, the three things that came to mind, I'm ashamed to tell you, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. Small, shallow, and sporadic. That's been how I would describe my prayer life most of my days. Small, shallow, and sporadic. But over the last year, look at me, over the last year, as I battled personally anxiety and depression and frustration, and I look at the world around me, God is reminding me of my need to talk to him, to live in constant conversation with him, because if I don't, I'm not going to make it, and neither are you. 
to not only read what he said and listen, but to talk back to him, to share my heart, to come to him with my needs, to offer up my feelings and my innermost thoughts because people in the Bible did it and we're invited it to do. How's your prayer life? And as I continue to dive deeper into my prayer life over the last several months, God has taught me some things that I just have to be honest about. Because look at me, you cannot change the part of your spiritual life that you are not willing to be honest about. If you keep acting like everything's good and everything's fine, and yeah, yeah, I, I, I talk to God, I pray before every meal, so what? That's a prayer of tradition, not a prayer of intimacy with God. Anybody can mindlessly say, Lord, bless this food in Jesus' name. I'm talking about, you know what? We talk about how this thing that we get to have with God because of Jesus, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Do you have any relationship that's healthy when you never com uh, communicate with the person you're in relationship with? Then why do you think that'll work with God? And I've learned some stuff about my prayer life that I've shared with you before, but I've yet to ever really fix. God has reminded me that the consistency of my prayers is too often dependent on the intensity of my problems. Can anybody relate? <laughs> that the consistency of my prayers is dependent on the intensity of my problems. Yeah, I prayed like crazy when I thought my wife was gonna die and my kids were gonna be born with all kinds of issues. Yeah, I, I've, when I look back on my life, the, the most intense times I've prayed and the most consistent times I've prayed has been when pressure and problems has forced me to pray. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pray then. We should. The problem is, for me, too often than not, I only pray then. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about today? The consistency of my prayers is far too often dependent on the intensity of my problems. When things are going sideways, I talk to God a lot. When things are going good, I go silent. Another thing that I've discovered, and you're not gonna like this one either, but is the inconsistency of my prayers is more about the presence of doubt than the absence of discipline. The inconsistency of my prayers is more about the presence of doubt than the absence of discipline. See, I think when we're not praying, a lot of us, I just, I just forgot, like, you know, I've gotten so busy. And can we stop acting like we're not disciplined as a culture? We're just really disciplined at doing unproductive stuff. I don't think we as a culture lack discipline. You know how I know? When Stranger Things came out, everybody watched it within 24 hours. Isn't it funny how when there's something that we want and something comes out or we want to achieve a certain goal that we have, we can get super disciplined. So let's stop acting. It's not an issue of discipline. Look at me. It's an issue of desire. But for me, it's not when it comes to prayer. My prayers are inconsistency because of the presence of doubt, not the absence of discipline. And this might make you uncomfortable for your preacher to say this, but you know why sometimes I don't pray? Because I wonder if it matters. I doubt if he cares. And then there's a couple of tensions that we have to wrestle with that you've wrestled with before, I'm sure, 
and I wrestle with as well. Well, he's God, he's sovereign. He's gonna do whatever he wants to do. He don't need to hear from me. Anybody ever thought that? Well, he's God. He knew yesterday, he knows today, he knows tomorrow, he knows a thousand years from now. He's sovereign, he's powerful, he can do whatever he wants. He don't need to hear from me. He's gonna do whatever he wants to do anyway. Am I the only one that's ever felt like that? Or even worse, I doubt he cares because I prayed and it didn't happen. And it made me not want to pray ever again. That he said no or he went silent and that made me doubt if any of my prayers ever reach heaven. You say, yeah. I can look at your face. You don't need to say amen. Your face says it for you. And if, you're, and if you're waiting for me to give you like these big explanations, okay, this is why this happened, this is why he says no, and this is, I don't have answers to those questions. Yes, God is sovereign. And yes, sometimes he does seem silent. And yes, sometimes he does say no. And I can try to give you a really good preacher answer for why that is, but you know what I've discovered? It doesn't help. That's why being a pastor sometimes sucks, y'all. I'm not gonna lie. Because you sit across from other people and you just like, I know there's nothing I can say right now, even if I attempted to, that's gonna explain it enough to make that feeling in your heart get better. That I live in that same tension of trying to understand the beautifully complex God that we follow. There's a lot about God that I don't understand, but I've learned I can't wait to understand, to participate and practice in the principle. I have to do it trusting that he is for me and for my good and his glory. And that's why it's called faith. But this is what I know. If prayer was pointless and powerless, then much of what Jesus said is meaningless and we know that's not true. And the whole of the Bible is God making promises to his people in order to accomplish his purpose. And the whole of the Bible is God inviting his people to be active participants in those promises laying claim to his purposes, amen? And the whole of the Bible, the method by which we most participate in God accomplishing his purpose is through the vehicle of prayer. So can I remind you to pray? And can I remind you to pray with patience and persistence? If I could describe how Jesus explained that we're supposed to pray, it is with patience and persistence. In that first parable that we looked at, we see that term, shameless boldness. And it seems like we've defined boldness as in big prayers, right? We wanna pray bold prayers, like big, impossible things. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pray those things, but what if bold prayers is not about the size of the ask, but the willingness to keep asking. That what is bold is to keep asking and keep asking and keep asking and keep asking and keep coming to God. And that's exactly what Jesus tries to teach us through what he says about prayer. There's a very similar story to the one told in Luke 11 and Luke 18. Flip over a few chapters and, and go there with me. Luke chapter 18, I'm gonna start with verse one. And this first verse, you need to highlight it, you need to write it down, you need to get it tattooed on your forehead, you need to do something where you'll remember it. 
Luke chapter 18, verse one, it says, now he, Jesus, told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. Let's stop right there a minute. Because I know that the story that I opened this message with inspired some and frustrated others. Because the outcome of your face on the bathroom prayer isn't two beautiful children like mine is. That you prayed a similar prayer about a similar situation and it hasn't worked out. Look at me, I got just as many of those stories as well. I, like you, have just as many times that I've prayed and I have not gotten the result that I wanted as I do the times I have. So I'm not trying to ignore or overlook or dismiss that pain and that pressure and that frustration. Do y'all hear me say amen? I'm not telling you to pray and never give up. Jesus did. It's one thing to hear that from some flesh and blood preacher but I'm not the one saying that. Jesus is the one saying that to you today. To always pray and not give up. Go to verse two. It says, there was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps persisting, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect to cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he, will he find faith? Will he find faith on earth? That Jesus gives us these two stories, one of a friend going to a frustrated friend in the middle of the night to make an ask, one of a woman that has been widowed and she has a frustrating situation in her life and it is her persistence going up against this jerky judge that eventually opens the door to her request. Now look at me, God is, in no way is Jesus trying to say that God is like the frustrated friend or the jerky judge. What he's trying to say is if persistent prayer will move those kind of people, how much do you think it will move the heart of your loving, intimate, heavenly father? That if persistence is what opens the pathway to promise for those people with those situations, how much more will your persistent prayers fall on the heart of your heavenly father in a way that will move him, church? I think what Jesus was trying to tell us is that the depth of my faith is seen in the persistence of my prayers. That it's not about the size of the ask it is about our willingness to keep asking. And I know that there are people in the room that have been asking and asking and asking, not for days, but for decades. And you're living in that frustration and you're living in that tension. And one of the first things that we have to learn to discern is the difference between his no and his not yet. 
Look at me, church. Sometimes you say, God hasn't answered me. Yes, he has. He said no. He said no. Well, when do I know that? I can't tell you. <laughs> but there are times that God says no, and there are times that God says not yet. And for your sanity and your patience and your spirit, learning that skill as you mature in him is something that's necessary to keep your faith intact. Y'all with me? Does that make sense? Say amen. Come on, talk to me. But you also have to know that God knows what you don't know. Do you notice that part in, in Luke? Go back to Luke chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. He says, what father among you, if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks him for an egg, will give him a scorpion? You know what I know about God? Is that there's sometimes that I ask for a fish, but God knows I'm asking for a snake. But because he's so much smarter than me, and he gives me what feels like a snake, but it's really a fish because he knows when I'm asking for a fish, what I'm really asking for is a snake. And he loves me too much to give me a snake when he wants me to have a fish. Does that make sense? Sometimes you're praying, God, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I gotta have. And God's like, no. Like that's the, you don't see it right now, but if I gave you that, it would ruin your life. You want it desperately. You're even convinced you need it. But I am God. And I see things you don't see. And so little child, you know how many times my kid asks me for stuff and I know you want to be like, I can't give you that. Why? Because you would kill yourself. The song was right, y'all. Can I remind you of the great theologian, Garth Brooks, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Praise God you're not married to her even though you wanted to be in high school. <laughs> Come on. There are things God has never told you no to limit you, to hurt you, or to frustrate you. It's always been to protect you for your good and his glory. that God has called us to pray. And sometimes those prayers aren't be answer, being answered is because, look, we are praying in a way that's contrary. We're asking and we're saying things that are contrary to what he's already said. God is always gonna be true to what he's already said. So I've learned that only through the filter of his word can I pray in alignment with his will? And some of us were frustrated because you're not praying in line with his will because look at me, you don't know his word. Only through the filter of his word can I pray in alignment with his will. First John chapter four, verse 14. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Can I remind you to pray? Can I remind you that the whole of the Bible is God's people invited to actively participate in the accomplishment of his purposes, laying claim to his promises through the vehicle of prayer? Can I just give you some passages of scripture that constantly remind us 
to live in constant conversation with God. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. It says, now if we ask, brothers and sisters, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them very highly in love because of their work, be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. And in verse 16, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for your life in Christ. Look at Philippians chapter four, verse six. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Romans eight, verse 26 and 27. In the same way, the spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because he enters seeds for the saints according to the will of God. James chapter five, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call on the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of a faith of the faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful and it's effective. Last one, Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. So therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Can I remind you to pray? And maybe you need to be reminded that I am praying to an intimate father, not a distant deity. Maybe you gave up praying because you thought you were pleading to some far off God instead of praying to an intimate and close father. That prayer is powerful and purposeful and it is effective and it does matter and God does hear. That there's not a single thing that you have ever prayed that has ever fallen on deaf ears. That God hears the cries of his people all throughout this book. I'm reminded of that. And how he answers and when he answers, I don't always understand. But the whole of this book tells me that there's power in his people crying out to him. And I want to invite you to pray. I've discovered that prayer is something I do in desperation. And that's a good thing you're desperate, go to God. It's something I do in desperation. But look, it can't be something I only do in desperation. Prayer should be something I do as preparation. Do you know how many times I've made a plan and prayed to God to bless it instead of praying as part of the process of the preparation? So I start off with a plan that already has his fingerprint on it. But most of all, prayer is something I need to do with intention. Every single moment of my life, Jesus, 
said, pray with patience and pray with persistence. So can I remind you to pray? Actually, can I invite you to pray? Intercession is a great way to start developing your prayer life. If right now you're struggling to pray for that specific thing in your life, that thing that you've been wrestling with for decades, can I invite you to pray for us? In just a little over a week, week and a half, we, we have a team for the first time going to Czech Republic as part of a greater plan that we've developed to do more global work throughout our church. And we have our first team going to Czech Republic. We'll be there from July 20th through August 2nd. And so as you leave today, there's gonna be some folks that hand you these cards and it's the faces of me and my son and our team who are going to build relationships with the most, one of the most atheist and agnostic groups of people on the planet in order with the hopes of softening their hearts to give their lives to Jesus. So will you intercess with us? This is not gonna be the first time or the last time we talk about this subject, but the last three Sundays of August, those Sunday nights, in January, we did release in the Word. In August, we're gonna do Reminded to Pray. So go ahead and mark your calendars for those last three Sunday nights of August to be here, our entire church family coming together to learn more about what it means to have a thriving, vibrant life of prayer. Can I remind you to pray? Will you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? I wanna talk to a couple groups of people in the room real quick. I wanna talk to those people that have been praying with patience and persistence, but you walked into this room about to give up. You've been praying for so long and it seems like God has been so silent that you're about to stop praying and you needed to hear this message. And I wanna invite you to stand up and say, Matt, I got something I've been praying about and I want you to pray that I'll have the strength and courage and faith to keep praying. If that's you, would you just stand up to your feet? Just stand up on your feet right where you are and stay standing. I've been praying for this situation. I've been praying for this family member. I've been praying for this thing. And it's just not, I don't see movement. I don't see anything happening. I don't see any, any breakthroughs and I'm just getting weary. I've been praying and praying and praying and praying and I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And I'm about to just say, God, I'm not talking to you. They'll have this anymore. If that's you, just stand on your feet right where you are and stay standing. Just stay on your feet. I wanna look at you. Amen, amen. Just stay on your feet. just stand your feet. My prayer is for you that God would just continue to put his sweet spirit on your heart and encourage you and direct that prayer. And there's another group of people I want to talk to before we get out of here. To the people who quit praying. That God said no or it didn't work out and you got so mad at him that you stopped talking to him my prayer for you today is that you would just trust him again, that you would start talking to God again. If that's you, would you stand up? Would you join those who are already standing? Amen. Say, Matt, my heart got hard because it didn't work out. It didn't come through. The thing didn't happen. And I'm just, it broke me and it eroded my trust in God and it's shaking my faith a little bit. And I just stopped talking to him because I started to doubt if he even cared. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would just soften your heart and minister to your spirit. 
But those of you who are seated, would you join those who are standing? In just a minute, I'm gonna pray. And when I say amen, I want you just to very quietly and reverently exit the room. And if you're here and you just need to stay in the room and just pray for a minute. If you need to just sit in here and sit in silence and just spend some time talking to God, practicing this principle before you get out into the chaotic rest of your day, I invite you just to stay, have a seat, come kneel, however you feel led. Again, if there's something that we can come alongside you and pray with, hit the Vintage Church app, hit that response tab. Let us know how we can pray with you and for you. God, I pray today for those who rose to their feet weary, that they've been praying for so long, crying out so long, that they're about to just lose their voice. God, I don't know why you do what you do always. I don't know how you you do it. I don't know your time and I don't understand it, but I know you're sovereign. I know your word says you work all things for good. I know your word says you hear us. So God, I claim that for myself and for these people. And God, I pray that you would just give them wisdom and direction about how to continue to pray, what to continue to pray. And may you just be so close to them that they can hear the whisper of your voice guiding their prayers and that they would trust you. God, as your word has just taught us that your Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray. And God, I pray for those who have experienced those moments when their prayer didn't seem to be answered or wasn't answered the way they wanted and they're just dealing with all the frustration and anger and disappointment of that and God I pray that your spirit would just come down and heal the pieces of their heart and God remind them of your goodness and your love for them and that God you understand things that we can't fathom and you see things that we don't see and God I pray that you would just help that trust in you to build back in them God you can be trusted you can be trusted And God, I pray that as we leave this place today, that God, you help us to do what you taught us to do, to pray with patience and persistence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Venice Church app by going to app.venicechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.